Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies uh, both old and new. Today, we are going to do exactly that, because we're talking about The Haunted Mansion. This movie was made... It's one of the movies that is adapted from a Disney theme park ride, and, I mean, it, it obviously shows. They, they do a very good job of, of bringing a lot of things from the ride into the movie. Now, they do a very good job of that in both the 2023 version and the 2003 version. We're going to talk about both of those today, uh, which is uh, ruining a bit of the surprise, but uh, the surprise gets ruined pretty quickly anyway. So anyway, we do talk spoilers for both of them. We don't have a great spoiler warning in this, but we do mostly stay away from spoilers early on, and we're conscious of it. We um, just later on, we sort of forget. So I would say there are more spoilers for this in the for the 2023 version. So if that's something you're interested in seeing and you haven't yet, keep that in mind. We may be spoiling things somewhere near close, closer to the end of this episode. But other than that, I'm pretty happy with how this episode turned out. We talk about we talk about a lot of different things early on. I'm excited to hear what everyone thinks. So you know, drop us a line afterwards. You can find us on Twitter. We probably have an email address. You can I'll put all that in the show notes if I remember. Anyway, this is a classic from the Haunted Mansion. What is that? That's what they said. It's by the, um... By the light. By the light. By the light of the silvery moon of the silvery moon. Guys, look, you sound I really good. Your harmony's tight, but we're trying to find my wife. I gotta help my wife now. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. When she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm trying to find a key. I'm trying to find a key. Where's the key? Where's the key? Where's the beautiful key? Find the key. Find the key. Oh, how happy you'll be. The key that I'm trying to find is, is in the mausoleum. The key is in the mausoleum. You left your key in a mausoleum down in Dixie. Dad, there oh, it is. Thank Dad, there it is. Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live. Pierre, uh, how are you feeling this spooky season? It's it's the end of it's the beginning of August, which, as we all know, means. Uh, you know, um, spooky stuff. Oh yeah. Skeletons, hauntedness. I, uh, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe something about the time of year, but you know, so many factors to bring into account. Yeah. I, uh, I just recently bought a bag of M&Ms, which I haven't bought like a big bag of for a long time. And, uh, I am realizing why, you wouldn't buy this kind of a bag of M&Ms for, uh, to give to children on a special night of the year. 
you, because you'd just be giving them handfuls of stuff. Like you have, to, that's why we've got those like individually packaged, packaged candies. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's something they should, I think it'd be a lot more energy efficient if you were to just pour, pour large bags into each person's like individual bag, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, you know, take a handful of Smarties and incubate them in your hands for a while until kids come by and then <laughs> just like sweaty. pour them into the like, bag. I actually hate that about Smarties. They get all over. Like, you don't even have to be sweaty, but, like, they just get all over your hands with, like, any bit of moisture at all. Uh, and uh, you get color on your hands, and it's just kind of weird. And it ruins the vibe. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, depending on what kind of weird four-year-old you are, like, you there's, there's some kids that, like, might like that. But I always yeah. found that super gross. Because my hands get all sticky, too. It's not even that they're just fun colors. It's that they're fun colors and also sticky, so you can't really touch anything. Yeah. It's not like a good... I mean, you like can. Skittles, Skittles sticky tastes like sweet and stuff. I don't know what the color from Skittles... I mean, Smarties don't really taste like much, right? I just, don't... I want to say it's I just, just coloring. Yeah. yeah, Smarties are like maybe the purest kind of milk chocolate, uh, which is a euphemism because I hate them so much. Like I actually really dislike the taste of Smarties and I don't dislike milk chocolate. I don't know what it is about milk, about Smarties specifically. Yeah. Smarties. I'm not a huge milk chocolate fan either or chocolate fan in general, but um, Smarties, I think they could be improved is all I'm saying. Yeah, I actually I actually really like the way that they're improved in the US, which is that they just don't exist. That's yeah. a really good improvement, I think. Yeah. But we are not talking uh, about the Eminem movie. Actually, how how has there not been an Eminem movie? I think that's gonna come. I there I don't know, man. Like there there's gotta be on the one hand, but also like Eminem's yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's a, a counter argument. Did you know that J.K. Simmons has been the voice of the yellow M&M for like 20 years? I actually didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I'm not even that, kidding. J.K. Simmons is the voice of the yellow M&M. That probably single-handedly kept his career alive between Spider-Man and then uh, Whiplash. <laughs> like, Maybe, actually. I want to say, yeah. because I heard ads pay like quite a bit of money, especially the residuals. So like, yeah, I mean, like the dude's working, but also he'd be working. That's probably his best. Like that's probably his most lucrative role. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're honestly, not I'm kind of in. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm no, no. Stop talking honestly, about the yellow. No, I want to hear it now. What? I'm curious. Oh, uh, I was. I was just gonna say, I'm a little like surprised that they never recasted him with a sound alike for less money or something. Because like. I remember well before Gilbert Gottfried died, I'm pretty sure they recast the uh, the Aflac duck. I, not, like, I don't know who that is. Okay. Aflac yeah. is like an it was like a car insurance company or something. And it was originally like it was notable specifically because they got Gilford uh, not Gilford, Gilbert Gottfried to voice the uh, the duck, which was their mascot. Because he had a famously annoying voice. And I don't know how long he did that, but it wasn't that long because they eventually recast him. Um, they, they cast a sound alike instead, uh, mm. which I guess I couldn't say for sure why, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised 
if the reason was to save money because Gilbert Gottfried is also a name that was in like, wasn't he in the Lion King? Like, no, he was in Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, that's a good question. I feel like I feel like JK just didn't want to let go of that bag. He's like, I've been and in for 20 years. Autumn. I'm not going to renegotiate. Or maybe they, when he was having trouble, maybe when he was having trouble finding roles, they signed him like a 40-year contract or something. So. Well, and also you hear from funny. actors like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've heard from the, if you've heard about like actors getting different ad roles, but the guy who voiced Shaggy from like the inception of Scooby-Doo, he stopped voicing Shaggy because they wanted to have Shaggy do a, uh, do an ad for, um, it was something that was, it was some kind of meat. I think they were doing, having Shaggy do like a barbecue ad or something. Mm. And Isn't the guy who vegetarian vo- or something? The guy who voices Shaggy is vegetarian. I don't okay. know about the character himself, but the guy who voices Shaggy is vegetarian and specifically said he didn't want to do that and stopped voicing Shaggy immediately after that. Mm. And I'm just thinking like, not only is it, must it be rare to get like such a good lucrative ad character opportunity as like the yellow m&m for jk simmons but also like the yellow m&m has no politics associated with it with it has like no the like there's there's very little contemptible or like controversial about the yellow m&m so like i don't know what other opportunities jk simmons would be getting as an ad and for ads but like you want to hold on to the one that's not going to get you in trouble with anyone, let let alone like especially not yourself. Oh yeah, like there's nothing contemptible about that character. Yeah, and I I want to say Eminem. You don't want to piss off Big Eminem. I don't know if that's it's I don't know what true. kind of corporation they're part of, but he might be blacklisted from the candy ad industry for a long time. I mean, the Mars Company. I can't remember. I don't. I don't know if they're also owned by Hershey or if Hershey is their main competitor, but they're like one of the big ones. That's like you piss off big M&M, you piss off mm. candy in the United States, which is mm-hmm. just feels like a bad idea. Candy has like two full, uh, two full holidays associated with it. One of which is Halloween, which is actually somewhat pertinent <laughs> to the movie we're going to talk about today. My God. We tied it in. It makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Uh, that is pertinent to what we're talking about today because we're talking about the movie, the Haunted Mansion, or is it Haunted Mansion? Um, I don't know why that's like. I remember thinking it was the Haunted Mansion, but uh, both are correct, but oh. uh, not because they're the same movie. <laughs> Okay, so the first, the 2003 version was The Haunted Mansion. Yes. The latest version. I thought it was the other way around. The latest version is The Haunted Mansion. But we're talking about both, I guess. We're talking about, right? We're talking about 2003? Uh, I mean, yeah, Vaguely. yeah. But yeah. So uh, I don't know. How do we kick this? Which one are we? So uh, I figure like since, since, we've, since we're talking about the, uh, the movie Haunted Mansion... Let me just sort of start by summarizing the uh, the movie we're going to talk about. Uh, the Haunted Mansion 
is a Disney movie based on the classic theme park ride in which a family of color moves into a secluded mansion only to discover that it is inhabited by 999 ghosts, but there's always room for one more. To avoid becoming the 1,000th ghost, this family teams up with a wacky band of characters, including Madame Leota, a long-dead fortune teller who is trapped inside a crystal ball, to uh, thwart the sinister plot of the owner of the titular haunted house. Wow. You you did write that out. I, I did. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why you... Is, is the first person you mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis's character? Uh, in the latest movie, yes. Okay. Wait, now I'm confused. Which one are we... T- so, uh... The point of that is that describes both movies. That was, oh, that was I see. I okay, because I was yeah. wondering, like, why would you just... Okay. Well, yeah, I guess that is both movies. Yeah. Um, so, what the, did you think ball. of The Haunted Mansion? The Haunted Mansion or Haunted Mansion? <laughs> God damn, you keep ruining every joke. Yeah, the, the, the 2003 one. What did okay. you think of the 2003 one? <laughs> uh, I thought it was, like, the like peak 2000s, like... like generic shtick that makes sense for a movie you got eddie murphy who's kind of phoning it in for a role um you have like the the family dynamic the family dynamic going on an adventure i feel like a lot of movies in the 2000s had protagonists that were real estate agents too like i'm just thinking about that and i don't know why but like sounds do you know any other specific examples because that sounds right but i can't think of right i'm trying to think of one right now but it's I want to say, no. Was was the guy in Big Fat Liar a real estate agent? No, I need to look this up too. <laughs> like that, it just sounds so right. I don't know how to say it. Was the no? Never mind. Anyways, but yeah, it's uh the haunted mansion is like I don't know. It's it's just a very movie with a couple kind of cool highlights but i like that it really embraces the campiness of the early 2000s slash i think the campiness of the entire concept in general of the haunted mansion um Mm -hmm. from the little i remember about the ride i mean the haunted mansion the ride is obviously it's it's like a horror themed ride but really it's not it's it's meant for all ages. Like it can't be too too scary. So it is does lean into the campiness and comedy a lot more um, than the name might initially suggest. So to try and capture that in a movie, you don't want it to be a full out horror movie. It does need to be a lot more like funny and family friendly too. Yeah, I'd say you know with the Disney brand and it's it's a ride. Like, well, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean also, I'd say it was a family movie, but it's definitely a lot more mature than a lot of what we, a lot of what I've seen in both of these Haunted Mansion movies. I would actually argue that like the Pirates of the Caribbean, I want to talk about it a little bit later, just because I want to talk about a couple other things first, but I would actually argue that the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Jungle Cruise represent like an entirely different philosophy of adapting Disney rides than the Haunted Mansion does. And like, 
not necessarily in a bad way, just like extremely different because like the Pirates of the Caribbean movie is made almost, I would say it's made as a movie first and a right adaptation, like a distant second where this is like almost the other way around. Not yeah, quite, I, but very close. Yeah, and I, I guess it's because, from what I remember of the ride again, the Haunted Mansion does have a semblance of a plot line, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, through the mansion when when you go on the ride. So, I mean, it's like a lot of visual storytelling, so you kind of have to piece it together yourself. But there is like the introduction with the orb, the orb lady, Mad- was it Madame Leota? Madame Leota. Kind of yeah. introduces you to the ride and then you kind of, you know, you, you go through it. Whereas Pirates of the Caribbean, from what I remember, is just kind of vaguely like you see pirates doing piratey things. Pretty um, much, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I think part of, I think, well, I, Pirates 1, I, I'm pretty sure the first act was actually maybe like the whole like haunted pirates invading a small town, um, I think is kind of part of the the ride and that's part of the first Pirates. no never oh maybe they changed the, that then. the the original ride didn't have anything to do with the undead oh they did okay. change it a little bit after the movie came out though no yeah i remember i think the one i when i went most recently was like i want to say 10 years ago and they the intro was like davy jones with the yeah. tentacle face and stuff so that definitely wasn't on the original ride but so yeah maybe they did change it but um, yeah, anyways, I, I guess they, there might be a little more incentive for them to kind of more closely adapt it. There's a couple elements I'm guessing are from the ride because they appear in both movies like Mr. Gracie and his wife who died, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say there's a couple of the char- like the ghost characters. I mean, we were talking about one earlier with the two ghosts shooting at each other. Um I don't know what else. My, I think the talking heads in the, this one, the singing heads are part of the mansion. I'm pretty sure. I believe so. And yeah. As well as I know that in, in the ride, as well as in every adaptation of the ride as a movie, there is a hat box ghost. Where, like I'm, I'm obviously to differing degrees because that's a main part of the new movie, but not really a main part of the 2003 movie. But there is always a hatbox ghost. There's always like a bunch of, I mean, there's always like the big dining hall where all the ghosts hang out and they're all dancing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple things, but yeah, I don't know. I liked, I think the problem I had with the movie was mainly it just, it felt, this movie felt very um, heartless and kind of a cash grab like eddie murphy did his eddie murphy thing but it didn't really feel like he wanted to be there and he had no chemistry with his family like i actually think he tried really hard like to kind of boost the movie in my opinion but his wife like the the wife uh character i want to say clara or something uh she's supposed to be she's she's recognized as elizabeth because there's an old mr carrie sarah um yeah sarah was just a bad actor i'm not gonna <laughs> she she didn't play that role very well and I, I don't think the kid characters were uh that good either they they were kind of the generic kid characters for movies but i don't think they really brought anything more to it than they had to um and that's kind of the whole movie because that's the family's the the core of that movie the side characters don't really get much to do like you have the some of the haunted people i actually love the 
the the cute couple of haunted ghosts the uh the one that voices the t-rex in toy story uh wallace sean wallace sean and um i guess is his partner in that movie but his partner was dinah spidey who i am not otherwise familiar with personally oh okay but yeah but has worked in a lot of other things oh, okay i thought they were both cute Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, a lot of the movie didn't really hit for me and it just felt like kind of this weird, creepy, uh, guy that wanted, wanted to, <laughs> I, I, the only parts that were kind of funny was like, remember that there's that scene at the end where I think the Mr. His name's Carrie, Mr. Carrie. I forgot, I forgot I his think, name too. Are you talking about the, the owner of the mansion? The owner of the mansion was Edward Gracie. Edward Gracie, his his long lost love inhabits Edward Eddie Murphy's wife's body, and then they make out, and that was really funny to me. But other than that, like like there was some like funny moments that were unexpected, but overall, it just felt like a pretty straightforward uh, movie. Definitely something that you know, I can see why it maybe has cult status now because it seems like something that could be kind of fun to put on during Halloween, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but other than that, it's it's not too not too great. Actually, I like the ball. I like the crystal ball. I like... Uh, you mean, you mean like Madame Leo? You mean like the character or just yeah. the concept of the crystal no, ball? No, I, I like the character, at least in the this this version, because it felt like... I just, I think... I think the concept works when you really mix the uh, the modern modern stuff with like the the campy horror stuff, you know. Like I mm-hmm. loved seeing the orb strapped into the car seatbelt, and then they drive through the house. <laughs> they drive through the wall of the house, and then like the airbags pop out, and they just kind of leave the ball there and stuff. Or like, um. Actually, that was kind of it. That was the only moment I really liked where it's like they really mix those two worlds in a fun way. Because I think mm-hmm. that's if they if they're not going to make it scary, that's the only way they can make this feel really unique and fun is is when they kind of mix those elements together. You know, it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of um, what we do in the shadows where you you have this really the, the concept of old vampires that have lived since the 2000s or since since like the 1600s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, and then they put, you put them in the modern era and it's just really funny to see the contrast, right? And I think you could have, there was hints of that here, um, but they didn't really embrace that. I think that's where the gold is and that's where I want to see a haunted mansion concept take place, if that makes sense. I think that'd be a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Sorry. That was a whole thing. Oh, well, I have a follow-up question. Uh, Did... Was was the 2023 Haunted Mansion all that you had hoped it would be? No. Based on that. <laughs> no. It, it was different. I was I liked how different they made it. But um, I think it embraced that even less, like a lot less than the than the first version, which didn't even embrace that concept that much. So. So, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like. I kind of think it's almost like two different versions of uh, mediocre trash, honestly. <laughs> like, I don't know. The 2003... 2003 is when I was very young. Like, I was going to the movies and I just wanted to see, like, Eddie Murphy do some funny stuff on t- on on the big screen. So, like, 
I was the exact target audience for the haunted mansion in mm. 2003 mm. and rewatching it. I didn't think it was that great, but I thought that it was at least like it, it's sort of, it was nostalgic for me in that a lot of movies at that time kind of had that vibe. And that's a type of movie that just doesn't really exist anymore. I don't feel like, like I can't think of the last, like no hard feelings is the closest movie in terms of vibe I can think of to that kind of thing. And it's not that no hard feelings is similar to the haunted mansion. It's that back in 2003, there was an entire market for movies for sort of mid budget movies that were like extremely low stakes. You knew going in exactly what was going to happen. And they were basically vehicles for a couple of funny comedians to do things that were hopefully going to be very funny but usually we're like fine. And then you would forget about them for a couple of years. And Mm. like, that's a type of movie that has basically just died out. That's just like not a market that really exists anymore. Yeah. And meanwhile, like the 2023 haunted mansion (laughs) was, I mean, personally, I found it almost offensively bad, but like, wow. I think like the 2020, the 2023 haunted mansion was like, it took itself very seriously, had a lot of actors who are serious actors and can do like serious work doing something that should be fun, but not seeming like they're having any fun with it. And then it ended. And like the whole thing was, you know, if the 2003 one felt like a cash grab it was because it was. It was a paycheck for a bunch of people. So yeah, at least but it was like honest. The, about it was honest, right? Grab. And the 2023 one felt like it was absolutely a cash grab. Like there's some downright despicable lines in there that exist for the exclusive purpose of having um, of having product placement. But like it, it felt like a cash grab. But also like someone not even was trying to make a serious movie. It feels like someone was trying to disguise pieces of it as a serious movie and like doing a really bad job of that because it's not even like there's, there's, there's a certain charm to movies. Like one we haven't talked about on this move on this show, the room where someone was really trying to make a serious movie and failed at it so completely that like the movie's bad but it's bad in interesting ways and it's still a fun watch. Like you watch it and you are gripped from the beginning to the end. Then there's movies like this where it's like, it doesn't feel like anyone was serious about any part of this movie, but someone was like, you know, but people, but someone at least in the creative team or in the marketing team or something was like, no, no, no. We want people to come and see this because we want people to like actually like it. So yeah. we're going to disguise it as a serious movie. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it feels extremely dishonest. I, I think, I think overall, I preferred watching the 2023 version. I, I think I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think if I had to pick though, I, I thought it was more watchable. I think I like I fell asleep during the 2003 version and it's like it's like oh, an wow. hour and a half. It's like it's not a long movie. It's, it's not long. 
it yeah. does feel longer than it is. I'll definitely yeah. concede that. Yeah. So it's like, um, I think that was an issue. Whereas this one, I, I actually thought Haunted Mansion 2023, it's like it checks a lot of the boxes on how to make a decent generic movie. I'd say it's definitely less memorable overall because there's none of those, there's none of the weirdness of the 2003 version. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought, I thought the, I thought all the actors were actually pretty solid in this, um, unlike the 2003 version. I actually uh, thought that, uh, Danny DeVito, this might've been one of the worst Danny DeVito performances <laughs> I've ever seen. I did. Okay, him I didn't, specifically, just, just I, him specifically. I didn't, I didn't mind it. I, 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 I was reading some, I, I, some people were saying they didn't like Owen Wilson and Danny DeVito in this. They thought they were phoning it in, which they probably were, but I mean, like, to me, it's like I got Owen Wilson. I always like Owen Wilson and Danny DeVito in anything. I think yeah. I, I just like their natural charm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only the only one I, I kind of had trouble with at first, but I kinda, it kind of grew on me was Lakeith Stanfield. Um, because I, I think the first half of the movie before we kind of get his emotional arc revealed more, um, his character doesn't really click. He's just kind of like, He's, you know, I guess it's not obvious to me that he's going through stuff. He just seems kind of depressed generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you get in the second half, you get into the grief of everything. Then his character starts to click, and he gives he gets more chances to reveal his emotions. Um, but yeah, I, I think you could say maybe that there was one too many people in that in that group because not everyone really had much to do the whole movie. But I thought I thought the chemistry between them was probably the best part of the movie for me. If I'm gonna be Sorry, honest. the chemistry between who? Between all the, just the group, the the mm. wonder team or whatever. Um, like those, I, I think they all kind of fulfilled their own roles. I, I mean, I don't really know why Danny DeVito was there, but like, I just like Danny DeVito. He didn't really have to do that much, but you know, I like the, I like, I liked Rosario Dawson and uh, Lakeith Stanfield's chemistry. I liked Owen Wilson talking the ghost down and being like he, he literally did the, the joke where it's like he was like this isn't you guys like like you don't have to do this and then he like turns it everything around he turns the ghosts around and it's like uh i don't know this is little things like that where i thought the cast kind of stuck out to me and they really I actually carried did, the movie i actually did really like owen wilson in this i think like um if this is owen wilson uh if, if this is owen wilson phoning it in then like just put him in everything because you know, obviously he's great when he gives a good performance, but like if this is him phoning it in, he was still great. I thought he was great in this movie. I mean, I don't. This does sound weird, but I don't think he's ever given a bad performance. He's just given an Owen Wilson performance. <laughs> like, I think been in that he's bad movies with an Owen Wilson performance, but it's still Owen. I Wilson. think that he's like he's very good. He, you know, he's definitely got a style. Like you can, you he can give. He's given varied performances, but he also does have like. There's definitely some movies I've been in where I'm like, this is just an Owen Wilson performance. And it's still good. It's just that that Owen Wilson performance does also fit very well into several movies that just end up being not very good. Hear me like out. He's, I... he, he can be a very charismatic part of bad movies. In addition to being very good in very good movies. But he's been in a lot of bad movies. He has, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, hear me out. I think the most he's branched out in a movie that I've seen is Cars. I think that's the most non-Owen Wilson role I've seen him in. Because he's like this cocky, like, 
he's oh, this dude. cocky hot shot that doesn't care about anyone. And like at this point, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure by this point, I'm Cars 3's biggest defender. I think that the story arc of Lightning McQueen from Cars 1 to Cars 3 is like so endearing. It's not reinventing the wheel, but like it did it pretty well. It's such a good story arc, character yeah. arc for Lightning McQueen, and Owen Wilson brings us all to it. Like, please, Owen, yeah. Owen Wilson, come on our show, and we're not going to talk about anything except for okay. Cars. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe a little Haunted Mansion, too. Ah, well, yeah, Haunted Mansion. <laughs> we'll see. If yeah, it, we'll see. He probably forgot also, about like, it already, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, also, like, frankly, I did go to see this movie specifically for Hassan Minhaj, who I thought was very good in this. He's only in one scene, but he was pretty good. Yeah, he was a weird... I don't know, sometimes I feel like... Well, he was in he was in that No Strings Attached movie with Jennifer Lawrence, too, for, like, two scenes, too. That's so weird. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. He was, like, the... He was the real estate agent. Yeah. He feels like... Wait, he was... Was he actually? He oh, was no, a he real was a real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, what was he in this? I don't remember. He was a sketch artist, right? Sketch artist. Okay, yeah, yeah. He Which feels is like actually, what... like, one of the better jokes in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. It was like, he actually did a very good... <laughs> like, they, he, he sketches a cartoonish zombie, and they're like, yeah. oh, my God, That's how perfect. did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he... I mean, Hassan Minaj, I, I kind of like him. He's okay. But... Yeah, no, I, I thought the cast worked. I thought I actually thought the child actor worked pretty well too. I, I think the whole being bullied at school thing was like kind of out of nowhere and didn't really tie in too well. But I think the stuff with I actually really like the twist. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but like I like the twist with the dad. I thought that was really that was actually kind of well done too. I, I didn't mm-hmm. I personally didn't see it coming. But now in hindsight it feels very obvious for the type of movie I was watching. I, I definitely agree. I yeah. think like I think for me, the reason I didn't see it coming is, uh, I guess I'll, I'll hold off on spoiling what that twist was just in case, because I think at this point we can technically still say it's spoiler free, Yeah. but like, um, I feel like the kid who was played by Chase W. Dillon, he had very little to do in this movie. Uh, I think that like... A lot of this movie, a lot of the movie of the Haunted Mansion, the 2023 one, is like Lakeith Stanfield, his character bonding with Rosario Dawson's character and her son. And like, her son is like, almost not fleshed out at all. Like, he's got stuff there. There is stuff in the story that he has to do and he has a backstory, but like we never get to see him at school. It doesn't really focus on him outside of scenes where it's him and Lakeith Stanfield or him and Rosario Dawson. And like the reason I think that the, the, the big twist at the end is something that I didn't see coming, even though it shouldn't have been surprising is because his relationship, the, the this kid's relationship to his, uh, at first sort of implied to be estranged dad, is like a thing that's on the periphery. It's something that exists that people definitely talk about, but like we don't get to see very much of that relationship except for him occasionally saying, "Oh, I I do like my dad though. He's a cool guy." <laughs> yeah, 
I, I think I think that that is one of the struggles with this large cast. It's like they were too concerned with. Uh, I, it's like they wanted to distract us with all these stars rather than really delve deep. I, I, it's, it's tough for me to complain it because, again, I, I thought the cast was the best part. And I, I don't know who I would take away. Maybe Danny DeVito because, yeah, he, he really had nothing to do as well. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't really part of any emotional arc in the movie. Um, I think if you cut down maybe on the side characters uh, and you gave the kid and the mom more time, which I, I thought was odd that they didn't get that much time in the end because, you know, they we were introduced. They're, I, they're, they're the second characters introduced and it's like they're they're the ones that want the Haunted Mansion to be their home. Mm-hmm. So I thought they would have much more of an impact in the movie. But Rosario Dawson's kind of pushed aside after in, in getting everyone in the house, if that makes sense. Yeah. She doesn't have much to do either. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that like that kid landing could have stuck a lot better um, if if they were get they had the time to focus more on it because it's like they pushed him aside until the very end where uh, they needed that they needed the the emotional core of the story to have a climax, and that was that was a climax. And I think it worked really it worked well for what it was given, but it would have worked a lot better if there was more leading up to it for sure. I actually kind of think that um, distracting the audience with the large cast is a big part of both of these movies, because if you go back and you look at the 2003 movie, it's actually got a similarly large cast to the 2023 movie. Maybe not as big, but like similarly big names. It's got Eddie Murphy, Terrence Stamp, uh, Wallace Shawn, and, I want to say Jennifer Tilly was a big name in 2003 too. So that's, you know, that's, that's four people. It's not, it's it's not as many big names as in the 2023 version, but they're similarly huge. Like Wallace Shawn and Terrence Stamp are incredible, huge names in 2003. And like, um, but with 2000, in 2003, it's, they're distracting you with that big cast and all the performances by the cast are pretty good and are like the best parts of like the best, the, the performances by those main actors are definitely the best parts of that movie. And the detriment of distracting you with that big cast is that the support, like the smaller cast, including uh, Marsha Thomason who plays Eddie Murphy's wife and the two people who play his two kids are like not given enough time, but also they're not very good in that movie. So like mm-hmm. it's to the detriment that it's not like giving the who should actually be the main cast of that movie like a lot to do. But at least like the people who are the big names are getting a lot to do and are like big draws of the movie and big things that you remember coming out of the movie. In the 2023 movie, you've got Lakeith Stanfield, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Danny DeVito, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jared Leto, Joe Coy, Hassan Minhaj, and Dan Levy, and Winona Ryder. And it's like, huge cast. Uh, Very few of them are given anything to do. And the performances by half of them aren't memorable at all. Did you remember that Jared Leto was in this movie? Uh... I mean, no, I forgot by the end. <laughs> but right. he was the voice, right, of the bad ghost or something? Yeah. I think that's just more of a, a a burn against Disney's ability to burn through money for no reason. Like, I 
like I don't know how much they paid Jared Leto to voice the ghost, but I was not more interested in the ghost because of Jared Leto. I was so I was like marginal. I was like morbidly curious when I saw Jared Leto is the ghost, and I'm like, oh okay, interesting. Let's see where this goes. And he was a cartoon ghost, and didn't sound like Jared Leto. And like I didn't care that the ghost of this movie sounded like Jared Leto or looked like Jared Leto. But if you get Jared Leto, it should do one of those things. Like if it's, it it reminds me a lot of the minions movies or of like despicable me where they have Steve Carell and they don't need Steve Carell. They could get someone else who sounds like Steve Carell doing a voice. Cause it's not even Steve Carell doing a Steve Carell voice. It's Steve Carell doing a funny voice, which is fine. But, like, why does it need to be Steve Carell yeah. at that point? Well, and, like, I, for this one, you know, why did it need to be Jared Leto? Didn't even sound like him. I'm going to I'm gonna defend the Minions for once. <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that I think with Illumination, the way they market their movies, they rely heavily on their casts. And they're able to hire Steve. I mean, Steve Carell's only the, really the only big, big name, I'd say, in Despicable Me too, right? Or, well, I mean, in the Minions, I guess. Well, the latest one had Michelle Yeoh in it as well. Okay. I wouldn't say she's a huge... I guess Steve That's true. I guess she's not... She's not actually Steve Carell levels, at least in the U.S. Um, So I'd say say in that case, it makes a lot of sense because Illumination's budgets are already very cheap. I think they have a little money to throw around to just get Steve Carell, who I think also he's very... He's like... He's kind of like Mike Myers, where I think he's like very integrated in that brand if that makes sense i think um, he his his grew isn't actually like it is actually a good character that he puts together and he does a good voice yeah, for him so i voice. don't know why he has to be brought back for every single one of them because i don't think that that's a voice that no one else could do but honestly like more than don't bring back steve carell for that i feel like the minions movies would often be stronger without incorporating Gru. Oh, so like, yeah, that's a that's another yeah. that's a different but, argument, which is yeah. a separate yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen the minion movies, so I can't say anything to that. But uh, according to this movie, like Jared Leto is, I don't think he's an actor I care about seeing in a, a family movie or any movie. I mean, I'm not a Jared Leto fan, so maybe I'm alone in that. But especially in a family movie, I don't think Jared Leto's like a huge get. You know what I mean? I think like, that like. I think that like Jared Leto, Jared Leto has given very, very good performances that I've really enjoyed, but I've watched exactly one movie in my entire lifetime because Jared Leto was in it. And I actually hated that movie. So like, I don't think Jared Leto, it was not actually, it was, um, it was a movie called Mr. Nobody, but like, um, I don't know. I don't personally know anyone who would go to a movie because of Jared Leto. And like, yeah. that's not saying that Jared Leto is a, is a bad performer. Um, that's a separate issue altogether. But like, I don't think Jared Leto's a draw. Like Jared Leto's voice isn't going to bring someone to the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Especially again, especially a family, like maybe if it was like an Oscar, like, oscar bait movie like someone like jared leto might make sense for a cameo or something i don't know but like in a movie like the haunted mansion 
I, I, it doesn't really make sense to me. Like I, I kind of got Winona Ryder because, you know, she's in Stranger Things. So maybe it's like kind of a cute reference and like maybe kids would get that. But well, again, why like, why was Winona Ryder in this movie? Like she didn't even have well, like, like much of a fun scene. Yeah. And a lot of I mean, a lot of Winona Ryder's most recent roles are because she has such a um, such a like well-known background in late 80s, early 90s horror movies. Like, yeah. In, in a way, she's in this movie because she was in Beetlejuice. Like, not directly, yeah. but indirectly, that's why she's here. Yeah, that, that kind of felt like a cute little reference. But again, she didn't really have a memorable scene in this, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of the same thing with. There. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with Dan Levy, where I think he has like a literally like 10 seconds of screen time. And he's like a featured star on this movie. Like he, oh, he was yeah, on the was, main cast, right? He was um he was the guy who like puts on a funny mustache and is like, There's yeah. been a murder. And you don't right? even recognize him because he's got all this fake stuff on his face. And it's like yeah. and also who is like no one's going like, Oh my god, it's Dan Levy. It's like, no. But then why did and then but then he still got main billing, which is just like for ten seconds? How much did they pay for that ten seconds? Holy Yeah. Um, you know, people like, like, I think, okay, I think Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson were, okay, maybe not Danny DeVito, but I thought they, they were probably well worth their pay in my, yeah. in my opinion. I think they are, they are draws in their own way and they work well in family movies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think like Keith Stanfield is that expensive. Like he's, he's an up and comer, but I wouldn't say he's like a star, but it's those little things where I feel like Disney really needs, like if this was like, this would make sense if this was like a $75 million movie. But this was like $160, 70000000 million to make, which is just insane yeah, to me. And it's yeah, just like, I mean, where did that money go? This was all, from what I can tell, this was mostly shot in the mansion. So it's like all in the studio. Like they didn't have to do exterior shots. So they saved a lot of money there. Um, And I, I literally, like the CGI wasn't that good either. Like it was the, I don't think it bothered me because it's a corny, campy movie. But... Like, where, again, I just, I don't understand where the money went. I mean, like, I guess we've already kind of said it, but, like, I think the main thing that bothers me about this movie is that, like, a lot of it is corny and campy, but the movie just doesn't commit to it. At least the mm -hmm. 2003 version, like, it commits to that corniness. It does. Yeah. It, like, a, really commits to it. Yeah, it's this a very one, 2000s like, movie. Lakeith Stanfield's character has a whole backstory about how his wife died on the way to Baskin Robbins. I'm like, that's that backstory is really funny and it's not supposed to be. I mean, I thought they were, I thought it was going well until he mentioned Baskin Robbins for some reason. Like, because he's, he's acting well in that scene. Like, it's a yeah. well acted scene and it's like, I wouldn't say it's a well-written scene, but, you know, it's kind of sad that the last moments he saw his, his wife was him kind of dismissing her, like, casually, you know? But, mm -hmm. like, the best... <laughs> who, who, when they're crying about their their long-lost love, who has sent them into a depression for the last few years, mentions Baskin-Robbins and like, their eulogy. <laughs> like, well, and the thing is, like, it's such an offhand comment, and it actually happens slightly off-screen, so I think it's 80-yard in. Like, he yeah. he's saying, like, 
uh, he, he's talking about how she left for the gas station and like never came back. And as it pans to everyone else in the room, he's like, yeah, I think she stopped off at a Baskin Robbins. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I imagine they like brought him in for like the ADR, like a couple months after shooting. We're like, okay, this was great. But we just need you to say, it. and she stopped at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> and they'd be like, okay, like, I guess. But then they're like, we'll pay you like 20000 because we're making like like 100000 on this deal. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But yeah, no, there, there was weird stuff. There was the uh, the fortune teller or psychic where she's like, like she brings forward the pad and paper and pen and she's like, from CVS. It's like, what? Who? Yeah. Like, that's the, never, the I've never once in my life thought, where did this character buy this stuff from? Like, <laughs> when, like, this pen and paper from in the movie. Like, I guess it kind of works comedically if it's kind of like, if, if that was the only reference and she said it kind of out of nowhere just because she was nervous or like, you know, I kind of get, there's like kind of maybe a joke in there. It's like overly like, specific joke, you know, like I bought this from CVS. It was kind of, yeah, it was kind of funny if that had been the only thing. But it's suspicious yeah. when there's also a weird offhand reference to Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins and, and like Zillow and Zillow Amazon. Yeah. I would I I literally she mentioned because I think the, the thing was it was a kind of a joke too, where she's like, as all like you could only get one candle, like one vanilla scented candle. And then Rosario the Dawson candle. the Yankee candle. And then Rosario Dawson says Oh, it's not my fault. I keep forgetting to for cancel my Amazon subscription. But it's like, what? What does that have to do with the candle? It's like, no, doesn't that imply that you could have bought more candles because you have an Amazon subscription still? Or like, is she broke? Is she losing all her money because of the Amazon Prime subscription and she can't buy any more candles? See, I interpreted that, I interpreted that as the joke was that the only reason she had a candle in the first place was because she accidentally bought it by still being subscribed to Amazon. Otherwise she would not have had the candle, which doesn't but, make sense in the context at all. <laughs> like, it's, I literally had to rewind <laughs> like, because I was just like, what? Like I've never, and it's like, why is Disney, is Disney promoting Amazon? Are they trying to diss Amazon by saying you're losing money by having an Amazon Prime subscription so they can boost subscriptions for Disney Plus? Or like, did Amazon pay for that line that made no sense? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Because, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. So I think when I, when I initially like talked to you about this movie, because I saw it slightly before you did, we actually talked off, off camera about like, trying about doing this one in the future and just didn't get around to it like right away when we initially wanted to. But I remember talking to you about this and being like, I think this movie is offensively offensive and bad, but it's bad. But the ways in which it's offensive are slightly separate from the ways in which it's bad. Like, I think that this movie has like an offensive level of product placement in it. Like, and the the lengths that they go to insert that product placement are so wildly immersion breaking that I don't understand why they do it in the first place. Except um, unless like everyone walked onto set and was like, this movie's a lost cause. Let's just promote Baskin yeah. Robbins. Well, honestly, like I didn't know. 
like just saying the name of the company because i think you can say the name of the company without having to pay like there's no legal issues there right it's only if you show the brand name or something i'm pretty sure but, but in that case, why say yeah, Zillow, say well, that you got it on Zillow? Exactly. I, why I think, say you got this at CVS? I think that's the only thing that trips me up is that they say so many, they make so many different references that it's like, were they trying to make it hip? Because the only other time I remember, I remember in The Barbarian, or I think it's just Barbarian, that they mentioned Airbnb was like the app they used and Airbnb screwed them over. Um, mm-hmm. and that only makes sense to like, I think they're allowed to use it. They're allowed to, cause I think that just puts Airbnb in a bad light, but they're allowed to say it because they never show Airbnb, the app, they never show any brand representation. They just say Airbnb. Right. And also um, actively makes sense in that plot. Like, that, yeah, the fact, made... the, the fact that an Airbnb was double booked is like, first off, like makes sense in the world and also is like crucial to the plot. Yeah. Of that yeah. movie. And it helps context. Like, if they just said some random app, you wouldn't get the content. And then they had to explain what the app does of, like, you know, sharing houses. Like, it just, Airbnb makes a lot of sense script-wise. And I highly doubt Airbnb paid for that because it's implying that at an Airbnb, you could potentially get murdered by some crazy monster <laughs> in your basement. So I, I highly doubt they paid ghoul. for that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this movie, none of the references added to the plot. None of them made any sense. Um, I guess, I guess maybe Zillow, like they say Zillow is how they found the place, but it's like, like, okay. Like you could have just said, we bought this house and it turned out to be haunted. Like every other horror movie, like ever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I really want to be a fly on the wall in these Disney movies and be like, and understand who put these references in and why. Cause I like, I would even say a lot of these, like did Baskin Robbins pay for the idea that someone died going on the way to Baskin Robbins, like that doesn't seem like something they would pay for, right? I hope not. Like that's like, not good advertising. No, it's terrible. Or maybe they paid for it and they're like, put put us in your movie somewhere, and Disney just decided to screw them over, <laughs> put them <laughs> in like the worst possible place. But like, oh man! But like, there are writers and directors and creative people involved in this movie, like. If it's if Baskin Robbins in a let's let's assume this hypothetical situation where Baskin Robbins paid Disney and like was just like just throw us in our, in your movie somewhere like how do the creatives involved in this movie think it's a good idea to both undercut the Baskin Robbins sponsorship and the emotional arc of the main character by yeah. throwing in that his wife died oh by the way she was going to what Baskin Robbins yeah. Like it undercuts, <laughs> it undercuts the sponsorship, yeah, and and the actual like important part of that story in terms of the plot, it literally or in terms nothing. of the movie, like it, it helps no one. It actively harms everyone, actually. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, I'm very. It's probably the most fascinating thing about this movie, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, that that is an aspect, yeah. I I really that, hope that yeah. like I hear my wife died on the way to Baskin Robbins in another movie eventually because it'll make make it make I, sense. <laughs> I I really like I I just want that to be the enduring legacy of this movie personally. Yeah. yeah. Ideally, um, yeah. I don't know. Other than that, though, the movie like 
I I think it's watchable. I'm honestly kind of surprised it bombed this hard, but I, I just think like it was bad timing. Um, I feel like there's a lot of other better movies to watch right now. And um, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like there wasn't really an angle to this either, I guess, in the end. I thought the ghost hunter angle was kind of, I thought that's what they were going for at the start, but it kind of just delves into like this weird mystery like discount mystery movie halfway through Mm -hmm. um and it just never feels like there's something they're fighting against i don't know at least in the first one they had like an obvious antagonist um it was you know the butler slash creepy mr gracie in this it was kind of like jared leto's villain is kind of like this unknown presence that comes out at the end and i think it loses a lot of the fun. I think a lot of the fun of this concept also is just having ghosts, you know? And this, a lot of the, the ghosts are invisible for a lot of it. And there's very few fun ghosts. I want to say fun ghost set pieces or whatever. Um, it's just kind of like a bunch of people investigating a, a house. And then at the end, you see a bunch of ghosts come out. And it's not done in an interesting way. It's just like a huge legion of ghosts, you know? At least the first one, like you had friendly ghosts, you had evil ghosts you had ghosts you had those weird heads doing weird things like there was just a lot more life and um i guess heart in the concept of the haunted mansion whereas this it felt like it could have been any random movie dedicated around halloween and it took out a lot of the fun of the haunted mansion concept i guess which is stuff like the the singing heads and um the fun ghosts and I don't know the guys shooting each other. <laughs> yeah, like even in this movie, the ghost shooting each other wasn't really done as like a fun thing. It was just kind of like, oh, that explains why they had pains in their abdomen when they walked through that point. Because they're getting shot by ghost bullets. Yeah, okay. but it's like that doesn't make. I didn't care. Like I just thought it was like a weird thing in the house, but it's uh, like yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that the Haunted Mansion came out before Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, I think the 2003 Haunted Mansion came out before Curse of the Black Pearl. Am I am I right on that? Do you know? Uh, I'm going to check quickly, but keep talking. But, like, so the Haunted Mansion, I think I mentioned this earlier, like, the Haunted Mansion really, at least that 2003 movie, sort of, it's adapting a Disney ride, which is all, which by its nature is kind of a weird idea. But, like, not necessarily a bad one, because all of the Disney rides have stories. Like, they employ very skilled people to not just make good rides, but make good rides that get you invested in a plot, even. Um, So, like, it's not a bad idea. It's just an an inherently kind of weird one. And the 2003 movie, I don't think the 2003 movie works super... Like, it works okay. It doesn't work as something that can have, like, a really big enduring legacy or, like, an enduring legacy of future films because, like, there's not a lot to expand on. It just kind of adapts the ride and it adds in some cool, fun stuff and, like, brings it into the modern world a little bit and, you know, has fun with it. It's a little campy... uh, it's a little campy adaptation of this ride, but there's like not very much more you can do with it after that. I think like, um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and also Jungle Cruise try to sort of invent a more, 
I want to say cinematic world for both of their stories and you know with varying amounts of success but they almost completely depart from that um from the original ride in service of using the basic ideas of the ride as a jumping off point for something entirely different and like I feel like the 2023 movie of the Haunted Mansion doesn't really commit fully to either of those. Like it doesn't quite, it doesn't actually, it it definitely tries to adapt the ride more than using it as a jumping off point in the style of like Jungle Cruise or, or uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, because if it wasn't directly adapting the ride, they would get rid of the stupid dueling ghosts finally. Like, no one needs that in an actual <laughs> adaptation. Or give them real characters. Yeah. Um, but, like, it also isn't interested enough in being campy and funny the way that the 2003 movie was. Which, you know, maybe didn't have as many high effort jokes as the 2023 movie but like it was led by eddie murphy who is an improv comedian who's hamming it up all the time like they picked the perfect guy to just do a campy silly zombie movie i uh i I think they're both very good i mean it's kind of cool that they're coming out 20 years from each other but i think they're very they're both very good representations of like um generic movies from both actually from yes, both though. eras you know like like i mean literally 2003 you have eddie murphy who at the time was like definitely kind of riding his riding the peak of the 90s with kind of like these generic movies throughout the 2000s mm-hmm. um and you have like a cast of yeah it's like the family dynamic and you have a bunch of very cheesy effects and it's it's just very hammed up. Whereas the this modern movie, it's like they really they really made they really tried to uh, get you invested in the emotional arc, and they had a bunch of uh, big actors there for some reason, and uh, a lot of effects that don't really add anything to it. And they try to get rid of a lot of the corniness and take it more seriously, um, which I think is just a effect of the modern era as well, or it's like the mm-hmm. generic movie of the modern era. So. I think it's kind of cool to just see that that contrast. And I think they both are just generic movies for their time. And I think maybe we appreciate the 2003 one now because it feels a lot less generic considering what we see now, if that makes sense. Well, I, I agree with almost entirely everything you're saying. Like the, for me, I like the 2003 movie more kind of because it's nostalgic to me of a time when I wanted to see like a generic Saturday movie because I had nothing better to do on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 10, but like, you know, that was the kind of movie well, that's, that's you childhood. would go to with your family. Yeah. You'd go to your family. You'd go with your family to that kind of movie mm-hmm. on, on a Saturday in 2003. I would, I guess I would kind of be curious to hear what a current 10 year old who saw this movie on like a random Saturday in July thinks of this movie in 20 years. Like, I don't I I do not by any means think that the Haunted Mansion 2023 has really that much staying power or lasting appeal. Mm. But maybe some like kid saw it with their family in July 
and 20 years from now will be like, man, I hate modern movies in the 2040s. I wish we could all go back to the garbage we had in the 2020s instead. Yeah, Cause maybe. Like, yeah. Because like, that's the biggest thing for me of the 2003 uh, Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion is it is representative of a type of mid-budget movie that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And like the 2023 movie is the type of mid-budget movie we have right now, which is wildly different and I really hate. But, like, people who were my age in 2003 probably hated Eddie Murphy a lot, too, for his, like, stupid mid-budget movies and Adam Sandler. Like, that's where Adam Sandler hate, like, originated, was early, yeah. was back then. Yeah. So, like, you know, maybe... I don't know that necessarily... The Haunted Mansion 2023 has any real of any real is in any real danger of being well remembered in 24 in the 2040s, mm-hmm. but it may actually. But like, it is interesting to consider. Like, is this just sort of a type of movie we have in the 2020s that may not exist in 20 years? The same way that the Haunted Mansion from 2003 really wouldn't be made today yeah i don't know we'll we'll have to talk in 20 years and see i i think given the fact that it's like you know a a movie that's very obviously based around halloween uh it it could see much i mean it just has better odds of seeing a, a longer life a shelf life in terms of you know people when they want to revisit every halloween every october they might revisit this movie once a year just because it's there and it's new. Um, I definitely, like you mentioned that this is probably going to release on Disney plus around Halloween. Mm -hmm. Like if it does, that's when a lot of people are going to see this for the first time. And probably this is going to go from a complete critical, critical bomb to being, to having a lot of random defenders on the internet like hey i really liked this movie uh, as soon as everyone sees it in october <laughs> no yeah i think that's that's honestly really possible the like i like me personally i don't always want to watch just really scary horror movies on halloween sometimes you want to watch something that's just kind of like you know an enjoyable like that's why i love the first two scooby-doo movies i don't think they're great mm-hmm. movies by any means but like they're just kind of some campy fun that you can kind of put on the background for Halloween. And I think this is, I think this kind of serves that purpose as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I might, I, I do, I do want to watch. I mean, there are other reasons for why I want to watch this again because of the format I watched it in. But I think also uh, it would be a, a very relaxing Halloween watch, um, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if, if one were to have kids or be with their family, because there's not too, I want to, I don't want to say there's too many, fun haunted movies out there if that makes sense it's relatively rare compared yeah, to you know even, the abundance of christmas christmas movies that we see so because even like horror comedies like the fun horror movies people point to are like r-rated most of them like yeah exactly. they're not 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 exactly family movies like the evil dead is very funny but it's yeah. not something you can not, watch with your kids yeah you're not putting that on with your family around so yeah you know i i think this could kind of in a similar vein with the first Haunted Mansion in a similar vein with apparently Hocus Pocus. I've never heard of that. I've never seen that movie, but I've heard it's a another 
bad movie that became a cult classic because there's just not many family movies for Halloween. So that's kind of if, cool. I if guess. it's if that's considered a bad movie, then I think it's unfairly evaluated. I think it's pretty I've, decent. Actually. I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe I've never seen it. I've I've never read any reviews. So that's just that was from a, what that I was a Halloween read. favorite of mine. So oh okay. Well, there you go. Uh, um, yeah. So final thoughts. What would you give? What would you give the Haunted Mansion twenty twenty three? Um. Well, okay. Wait. Before I give my rating, I just want to say I like to joke where the psychic fell asleep or no it looks like she falls asleep every time she's like communicating with spirits i thought that was funny <laughs> at least the first time the second time it was but uh i would give this like uh i i, I think i give it a six i enjoyed nice. it right. I, it was enjoyable and i i do i'm interested in watching it again i to the 2003 or actually no just are we doing ratings for 2003 sure why not Go for 2003. I'll give it like a, a three. <laughs> gotcha. For the era, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go slightly different. I'm gonna give the 2023 Haunted Mansion a weak two and the 2003 one a strong four. Hmm. High praise. Yeah. As Nicholas I mean, would say. For what it's worth, like if these were movies that just solely existed in DVD bins and on streaming services, like they have their place and it's there mm-hmm. in the DVD. Yeah. bin. Like that's but, the place for this movie. Do you think in the context of this, that you would have enjoyed the 2023 version a lot more if it was straight to Disney plus? I think so. I don't know that I would have enjoyed it that much either. But I think I would have liked it more. Like that's fair. I didn't. I I didn't like going to see this in a, empty. admittedly empty theater. But mm. like, I yeah. I think that I I'm not sure what they were trying to do with this in theaters. Not by releasing it to theaters at all. But like, first off, I think it just would have been better as a streaming as a straight to streaming movie. But beyond that, why is this releasing in theaters in July? A, as counter-programming to Oppenheimer and Barbie. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's, not that, it's not that horror movies can't come out in July. Like, Talk to Me came out in early August, I think, and that was great. And that did really well. Mm-hmm. This movie has a budget probably three times the size, at least three times the size of Talk to Me. It might be ten times as big. Mm-hmm. And, like, a huge, and, like, a huge cast... And it's not really like the people who don't want to go see Oppenheimer probably don't want to go see the haunted mansion. Like they're not probably looking for that specific kind of experience. And I'm like, it's not going, if this is, if this is marketed at families, the family movie in theaters is Barbie. Like what, yeah. what, are, what is it? What is the release strategy on this? Well, I, I think sometimes you never know. Like I remember with, uh, was it was it Star? I don't want to say it was Star Wars. The Last Jedi came out the same weekend as Jumanji, and those are both those are both family movies, right? And Jumanji actually did extremely. I think it made like seven to nine hundred million, right? Um, I think there's against the Last Jedi, which again was a very big movie. I mean, in some context, it made a lot of money. Is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> And but that like, worked, and it wasn't necessarily counter programming, which I know the theory 
usually is with these things, but like sometimes you never know where it's just like everyone watched The Last Jedi, but then if you want another fun movie to watch, Jumanji's right there too. That makes sense. I mean, I I think there's a lot of extra things to consider with that example though, because like The Last Jedi is part of a series. It is family, it is a family movie, but it's also like part of Star Wars. So like it is kind of a whole event mm-hmm. where Jumanji is standalone like i'm assuming you mean the first jumanji like the reboot the first jumanji, one was not 2017 the... right oh so was it jumanji like the sorry second... jumanji with the rock but like the second one yeah, technically yeah, yeah. but yeah okay okay but the first well, okay the if it was the second one then like oh no i meant like so it was the first one with the rock not the sequel I, yeah. to that one okay yeah, yeah yeah like i think i think that one is different enough in the important demographic ways from the last Jedi that that would actually make sense as counter programming. Yeah. I like, yeah, it makes sense in hindsight. I'm just saying like, it, I don't, I'm not entirely like Disney. Like what were you thinking? Putting it right behind Oppenheimer and Barbie. Like no one, no one predicted the Oppenheimer True. Barbie Fair. thing, you know, like mission impossible is probably like, I mean, think of Imagine being paramount and being like, okay, so you have like a family, a family movie for women. Uh, or, or like that appeals to women uh yeah coming the week after us and a three-hour biopic about a, a nuclear bomb i think we're safe to put a two and a half hour tom cruise stunt packed action movie a week ahead of it i think it'll be fine i don't think they like in their wildest dreams they could have expected that and i don't think with the haunted mansion like how could you have expected barbie to be such a big hit that i'm pretty sure barbie just took all it's being so big for families it just took all the all the wind out of haunted mansion and it's just like an afterthought you know yeah i guess that's fair but, but i like, i do i do think that the smartest thing here especially having seen the movie now would have been to release this in october and maybe make it like if you want the disney plus crowd because i think they're really trying to push disney plus because they're trying to find a way to make it profitable <laughs> in any like at all um maybe make it like Disney plus release on the same day and just make it a limited release in theaters and just try your, cause that that's worked too. Like that worked with Godzilla and Kong, right? Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know how well it did with Mulan, but like, this is the kind of movie that I can imagine people either going to see in theaters or paying 20 bucks to see at home. Yeah, like, exactly. I think this one would do as well that way as it did in theaters, which you know, that's not a glowing endorsement because it bombed yeah. hard in theaters, yeah. but still. <laughs> yeah, this feels kind of like a lose-lose where they're not, I, I feel like they're not going to get a huge amount of the subscribers to Disney Plus because of the Haunted Mansion, but it would have mm-hmm. been, if, if they released it on Halloween or in October, it would have been a nice advertising boost, I think, with the movie. Yeah. And you'd get, I think, a lot more people in theaters. Not too many more, but like, it can't have been worse than this. <laughs> like, Well, and like, I guess I only know this anecdotally, but in October, there's a lot of people who will go to theaters to see just about anything that's vaguely horror or Halloween themed because that's just the vibe. Yeah. And also like, and also there isn't there, you know, putting aside that Oppenheimer and Barbie blew everyone out of the water with how well they did, even by more like, less conservative um, expectations like July is a very competitive time to put out a movie. October oh, yeah. is not nearly as competitive. Yeah. 
I think uh, from what I can tell, what they were thinking is that they had a solid cast. They had a decent, they had a decent movie, in my opinion. They were like, okay, we can make a decent amount of money in theaters with this. And then we'll kind of get a second wind in October. Um, but I, I just, I, I think they overestimated how good the movie was, maybe. Because oh, this sure. isn't a movie that I'm like, oh, I'm like so happy I watched this. But I would have been decently satisfied if I watched this around Halloween time, I think. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's all I can really say. And I this keeps up the curse. I want to say Pirates of the Caribbean curse of rides being adapted into movies and just not doing very well at all. It's a very, very hard thing to do well. And like, it's not even the whole reason that it worked for Pirates of the Caribbean. But one very large component is that Pirates of the Caribbean, when they adapted it into a movie, essentially threw out everything that was in the ride. Yeah. That's not the only thing you have to do because Jungle Cruise did that too. And it was ass. It has to also be good. I I think with... So Jungle Cruise's problem was that they tried to adapt Pirates of the Caribbean, not Jungle Cruise, the ride. True, yeah. You know, I think that they were really trying to recapture the magic. Um, and then with Pirates, I think I was reading a bit about it and it sounds like, you know, initially Jack Sparrow was supposed to be a very heroic pirate. Um, and he was played by initially going to be played by Hugh Jackman and he would have been a lot more, you know, like bravado and, you know, generic, right? Um, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what they show in the ride and, uh, you know, Johnny Depp coming in later. And I think, I think, I think they gave them enough creative space that they really made it their own thing. Um, yeah. also I think the Pirates of the Caribbean concept is like, it gives you a lot of wiggle room. It's just, it has to be Pirates in the Caribbean, the Caribbean, you know, there are Whereas, pirates at some point they exist in the Caribbean. Yeah. Donuts. Yeah. Whereas like Haunted Mansion, you know, like most of the movie kind of has that doesn't have to take place in a mansion but i think it'd be kind of risky to really take them out of the mansion for too long because then you're kind of wondering like well i was it called the haunted mansion if they weren't in the mansion for like and there's clearly someone at disney corporate who's like if you don't have the dueling ghosts there i will never let you (laughs) be hired by disney again i bet it's like it'd be so cool if it was like the guy on the who made that part of the ride like his job on the haunted mansion ride was to create the dueling ghosts and then one day he just got promoted into the movie division for some <laughs> reason and this is just like his way of keeping himself relevant is like bring back everyone loves the whole the dueling ghosts you got to bring him back <laughs> families love you it can't not have the dueling ghosts <laughs> and then he just like goes every time he goes through the ride at disneyland he like laughs extra hard at the dueling ghosts <laughs> like, just to laughs prove his extra- point Applauds. <laughs> yeah. He's like, guys, it's the dueling ghost. Is anyone else seeing this? Um, that'd be, actually, I want to see. I'd watch a movie about that. I think that'd be cool. I hope that the next time we get anything haunted mansion related as a movie, it's a biopic about the guy who made <laughs> the dueling ghosts. Ghost. Yeah, that would be the dream. <laughs> but as it stands, haunted mansion could could still use a. We're gonna see another remake in twenty years, and hopefully this one's a little better. I think, yeah. You know, there's something there. Like both, there's there's something. I think if you mix the first one and the second one, I think you get like I like the cast in this. If you mix the campiness of the first one in, you're getting a little something going, and then you mix more of that like like uh, the mixing the modern stuff with the the haunted stuff. There's something you know, like I feel it 
it actually does feel like the most natural thing to adapt to a movie. Right, yeah. There's so much there that it feels like you can do so much with it. And I kind of hate that I don't like either of these movies that much. Yeah, so... Here, here, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this now. In ten years, me and Jeff, we're gonna be major players in the movie industry. We're gonna make the we're gonna make the real Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, yep. I'm just saying. Yep. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. There you go. And we'll and we'll uh, incorporate here. the guy with the dueling ghosts into the movie somehow. Well, if we don't, we'll never work in this town again. That's <laughs> yeah, because it'll, it'll ban us. Blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's our what's our last word, Pierre? CVS.